Welcome, White Sox fans, to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. Here are your hosts, Ian Eskridge and Danny Miller. Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? I am doing fantastical. Uh, you know, coming off a uh, coming off a little bit of a long weekend with the uh, holiday last week. Uh, it was very nice to uh, spend some time with some family and friends and uh, enjoy a little bit of time away from the job. You know, got the old uh, Christmas lights installed Ooh. Uh, outside, and uh, you know, got all that done, man. It was a all all good weekend, and you know, we have some new things to talk about here on uh, White Sox Daily Live tonight. So, you know, looking forward to getting that, man. All everything's uh, is good in the world, man. How's how's your? How, let me try this again. How are you? And how was your uh, Thanksgiving? My turkey day was good. You know, I can't complain Good. too much. Um, you know, uh, did a, a bunch of eating and uh, some napping, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much about it. You know, like nothing too crazy. Stayed in, you know, stayed in state and all that stuff. Didn't go anywhere. You know, super crazy. Just went across town, and it was good. You know, there are some things to talk about this week as far as the White Sox goes. So that's that's nice of them to provide us some content. Today, it was announced <laughs> that Liam Hendricks won Comeback Player of the Year. It was voted on by the players and by the BWAA. And uh, so, you know, he went and uh, we've got... Uh, that little got a little slide there from uh, MLB today, so that was really nice to see. Um, you know, obviously the results this year not exactly you know stellar. I mean, he only made a few appearances, and uh, obviously it appeared like his stuff was gone. Uh, you know, at least to a to a certain point, to a, to a certain degree, and um, you know, lost some miles an hour off his fastball. His command was a little bit wonky, as you as you would you know think would happen uh being out for you know being out of game shape and uh going through the chemo and everything um but uh yeah, the fact that he endured all of that and was able to make his way back as quickly as he did which you know may have contributed to his injury although his injury like we've said many times in the past has been one that's been lingering for years but you know you got to give it to the guy for just going through everything that he went through and the toll that it takes on the body and being able to come back and at least throw the handful of innings that he did. Kudos to him. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, currently no longer part of the White Sox organization, but, you know, who's to say? Maybe he makes a return someday. But, I, you know, honestly, I just hope to see him play baseball again. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm Getting at, a little long know. in the tooth, but, you know, still love to see the guy come back and uh you know, really show that adversity that he's seen this season and uh, kick it in the booty and get back to playing baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it, you know, it's unfortunate uh, the, the way th everything happened, you know, um, but, you know, he grinded through the treatment and came out the other side and uh, got his, you know, clear diagnosis and he started pitching again and unfortunately that uh, torn ucl that he had had for ages 
uh, ended up catching up with him and, uh, you know, going from not being in game shape to trying to be into, uh, you know, playoff, not necessarily playoff race, but you know, you know how he is. He operates at uh, zero to a hundred, you know, he's either not pitching or he's, or he's going hard, you know? And, yeah. You don't um, say, <laughs> yeah. You know, unfortunately it just kind of, you know, shredded, shredded that, uh, UCL and had a surgery and now he's walking around like a cyborg for a little while. And, uh, you know, we'll see where, you know, where he pops up coming this year. I kind of don't, you know, like you said, I, I don't think it will be with the white Sox at, at this point in time. Just like we talked about Aaron bummer last week, when he got shipped off to Atlanta, I just kind of don't see what the, you know, kind of what the point of having Liam here next year, you know, in 2024, really what purpose it holds, you know, I mean, it's not going to be, you know, you're, you're, I mean, you already let him walk. So you're going to be paying him one and a half million dollars a year for the next 10 years. Right. Um, so you're not going to, you know, turn around and resign him unless they figure out some way to restructure a deal and, I don't know. I just don't see that happening. I kind of think we have seen the last of him, and, uh, you know. No, you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy that we had him for a while, and, uh, you know, hopefully we see him again, and uh, he returns to uh, what he was before this whole uh, 2023 season because that was a terrible year for him. Yeah, whether or not it's with the White Sox, I just want to see the guy. Like the like the you know the title says, come back. I'd like to see him come back and just play baseball again. And uh, you know that uh, it's a tough situation. Uh, the timing, I guess, for the USL injury probably couldn't have been better for him. Honestly, yeah. Uh, if you just kind of take everything into consideration and think, well, this White Sox team really probably wasn't going anywhere, regardless if they had you know, one of the top closers in the game. No, uh, unfortunately, exactly. you have to score you have to score runs to have a lead to get a closer into the game with a save opportunity. And uh that was not the case for this White Sox team this past season. So, you know, uh if you're gonna have that type of injury, that was probably the time. Uh yeah. so you know, let's just hope that uh like you know we've been saying that the he he gets it all back together and he is uh, somewhere at least close to the form that uh, he has become synonymous with when you when you talk about top closers in the game. Yep, for sure. Um, uh, next on the list of things that happened today. Uh, so it was made official that Paul DeJong is a member of the Chicago White Sox. And uh, Bob Nightingale tweeted out his contract information um people are mostly happy from what i've seen you know that the uh monetarily the contract is uh not a whole lot and uh there is a little bit of incentives on there you see uh for those of you not watching on the stream uh he is getting a base salary of 1.75 million for 2024 with bonuses of 150,000 or 400 plate appearances and 100 an additional 100,000 if he makes it to 500 plate appearances. Um I would not be shocked in the least bit if he doesn't make either of those bonus points. <laughs> what do you think yeah, about that? Yeah, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't be shocked either. Uh, you know, when the news first came out a few days back that Paul DeYoung was uh, going to be a member of the White Sox, before we had any inkling of what the uh, financials were going to be on it, there were a lot of folks that were unhappy. You know, obviously, Tim Anderson being who he is and what he's been to the organization is pretty much the face of the organization the last, you know, five, six years here. Uh, the the amount of ire that was kind of thrown around out there when you find out that this is the guy that the White Sox are signing to replace him. Uh, I got to say, you know, that whole thing is, is I don't want to be a told you so kind of guy, but if you've been paying attention at all, you kind of almost had to expect this. This is pretty much exactly what I was expecting from the White Sox. When you are trying to save money uh, by not signing Tim Anderson and, and giving him a $1 million buyout, you're not going to go out and spend a bunch of money on that position. And there really wasn't a whole lot on the free agent market to begin with at the shortstop position. So honestly, if you look at these numbers now and what Paul DeYoung is getting paid, I mean, there are arbitration guys who are getting a whole heck of a lot more than this kind of money. So, you know, you're going to get better defensively which is what, you know, the direction of this uh, offseason has been for the whole, right? So if you've been paying attention to that, this is exactly what, this is exactly the kind of signing I expected. And it also leaves you the opportunity to go ahead and bring in some of those prospects that we've caught, we've been talking about. Because if Paul DeYoung doesn't play enough innings to get anywhere close to that four or 500 plate appearances, it's no harm, no fall, because he's not making a ton of money, and he's not really holding anybody back from playing. Yeah. So that's kind of my general take on that. I mean, obviously, we can dive a little bit deeper into the numbers, and we can talk about you know where he was a few years ago as opposed to where he is now and, and regression and this, that, and the other thing. But you know, obviously, I think this is just the type of move that it it, it kind of signals exactly what we've been thinking is going to happen with this offseason. The White Sox are not going to be good next year and you're probably not going to get a lot of great pitching. (laughs) (laughs) you're not going to get a lot of great pitching so how do you help those pitchers you you put a a pretty good defensive team behind them and hope that they can win some games yeah what do you think man what what is your take on this whole thing uh you know i i mean pretty much what you said i don't i don't uh you know we've seen we we've seen what his his offensive numbers are. They're not impressive. Uh, he does have some power, which is nice. Um, you know he'll run into some, which is which is good. And I mean, you know I think he hit like uh, fifteen times what Tim Anderson hit last year for home runs. Um, <laughs> so there there's that. Uh, you know well, you want to be a comedian now? Huh? I mean I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> But you know, I mean, like, and the and the defense is good. Like the thing that you don't really have to worry about is him going out and embarrassing the White Sox, you know, by throwing the ball into the stands, you know, right, five six times in a year, and you know, making you know high teens of errors. You know, like you just right, you, right. you don't have to worry about that so much. Um, you know, and we'll we'll get into it in a little bit. Uh, about uh, w- what this is going to mean defensively for the White Sox and, and what it's going to mean, I think, for the 
you know, I kind of, I kind of want to bounce this around with you. Like what you think this is going to, you know, what kind of changes you think this is going to make, uh, whether some of these guys are going to see playing time, who's going to be here, who's not. Uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, absolutely. But, I'm uh, actually looking forward to getting into that conversation. Yeah. You know, we just got, uh, you know, it's a free agent signing. It's nothing even remotely exciting, but you know, here we are. And, uh, you know, people had been throwing around that it was possible that uh, Paul DeJong, DeJong, how, however, I I have never even really put the effort in to find out how to pronounce his name because uh, it didn't really matter. I thought it was DeJong, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I guess we'll yeah, find I, out, at least in spring at training. Some point. <laughs> you know, you know we'll, and, and to be honest with you, I've actually heard like three or four different ways to pronounce his name. And I couldn't tell you which one is right. So exactly. Pardon me. Uh, you know, we might, you say we're going to find out, but we might hear three or four different pronunciations throughout the course of the season. So uh, it's not like the guy is fresh to the game. He's, he's been around a few years and, uh, people are still pronouncing it different ways. So I don't know if we'll ever get a, a real answer. on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if uh, Jason Benetti was here, I don't know if you remember when Luis Robert came up, but he put out a tweet that expressly told people, this is how you say his last name. If yeah. He was Jason still here, would have done that. We homework. would know for sure. Um, but uh, I digress. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, he has fun <laughs> in Detroit with his new friend, Kenta Maeda. Um, uh, also today, and this is big news, this this will get you real excited. Uh, today is Pedro Grifal's birthday. Oh, he's a sag. Uh, Just like me. Yeah. Just like um, me. Yeah, speaking of, you know, I, I didn't realize, but exactly one week today. Will be my forty eighth <coughs> birthday. Very nice. So, hey, yeah. Keep clicking them off. Uh, yeah, you know, just one another turn of the calendar. Is it spring yet, Brenda? Brenda, asks, Brenda asks, "Is it spring yet?" No, it is I, I not. Wish. Unfortunately, and uh, we're going to be doing this whole thing where we're doing the dance about signing people that. Uh, are literally of almost no consequence. Uh, we're probably going to be talking about this pretty often for the next, uh, oh, I don't know, two and a half months uh, until things I, you come know, up I got to so. be honest with you. After after getting our first taste of snow this season, I really, really, really do wish it was spring. I mean, that, that you can keep that white stuff, man. So here we are. We're wishing uh, Pedro Gafal another year of... Uh, Wonderful life. Hopefully, things work out better this year than last, because I know last year had to be uh, ridiculously frustrating. Um, and uh, you say what you want about his skill level as a uh, as a manager, but uh, you know we'll find out whether or not last year's uh, fiasco is indicative of what we can expect from him in the future. Let's hope not, because uh, that was that was real ugly. Um, let's hope things improve. That's it. Yeah, uh, you know, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What else can you hope for at this particular moment, honestly? 
Yeah, exactly. Just got to <laughs> try and stay positive about it and hope that last year was just a bunch of circumstances that all just kind of ran into each other and that's it, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mark says, at least expectations aren't high. You aren't kidding. Oh, I mean, you know, what a swing. When you say it like that, though, what a swing. This time last year, 12 months ago, we were saying, you know what? Maybe things maybe things will be different. The, the Sox are going to be bringing in a new manager, a new pair of eyes, maybe some new coaching staff, you know, some new philosophies. Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, we hadn't reached the uh the pinnacle of the downslope at this point yet we had no clue what we were in for yeah i mean we? <laughs> we weren't exactly thrilled by some of those hires were we to think that the high point was uh a you know more or less uh what a, a good game in oakland and in a playoff series and then uh, one home winning, you know, one home winner playoff game where Larry Garcia was a huge part of. Those are the high points. Of other that than like, rebuild. other than a couple of like little, you know, personal achievements for some of the players, which at this point most of them aren't even around anymore. You know, no, I mean, and you can go back to last season, the opening series against the Strohs. Four games set, and the White Sox split. They finished that series two and two, and that was the high point of the entire 2023 season. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sox peaked in Iowa. Well, that's, that's another way. That was about it. It's like that was like the last hurrah. You know, Timmy hit the home run in the corn game to to win that game. And then after that, all downhill. <laughs> oh, man. It was a great game to watch, though. I will oh, it say was that. amazing. I mean, I was screaming at my TV, walking around upstairs here, you know, just walking back and forth in between rooms, getting angry as we were giving up runs, but then getting excited when we were scoring runs. And that was, uh, yeah. you know, it was a lot of fun. I was actually at a racetrack. Preparing for a long weekend of racing with uh, with the team, and uh, I will never forget finally getting set up that Thursday evening, that fateful Thursday night, and uh, being able to catch the last couple innings of that game, and then watch good old TA seven best Aaron Judge to uh, walk it off at the end of the game it was uh, just an incredible, incredible finish to the first of what looks like is going to be many games played in Iowa that way. So yeah, pretty fantastic stuff, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I just going to toss this out there, uh, but they did do a study on some of the baseballs that were there. And oddly enough, they did have a little bit more, uh, juice in them. If you want to say, um, Mm. which is shocking. Um, Especially considering that the uh, the playoffs also have those little nice juicy baseballs, and uh, oddly enough, when Aaron Judge, yeah, when Aaron Judge hit his sixty plus home runs, also 
with the aid of special baseball. Extra handful of bouncy balls. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, all right. So you know whose birthday it was yesterday? Yes. Eloy Jimenez. There he is. Yeah. So I figured that this was a good time to ask cool. you. Oh. Uh, you know, not only wish Eloy a happy birthday, uh, as, as we know that he's listening right now. Um, yeah, happy birthday, Eloy. You know, hopefully he's sitting in his, uh, in his sunning hat there, uh, doing some uh, nighttime gardening and uh, listening to the show. Uh, we wish him a happy birthday. Um, hey, what's he got there? Is that a cup of scissor over there? I have no there? idea what he's scissor. got there. But uh, you know, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's something something real nice. Um, so, question <laughs> is: Chris Getz going to trade Eloy Jimenez? Uh, let me think about this. Yes, you think so? I do. I I, I mean I we talked about this a little bit last week, and I don't want, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I feel like. Aloy is one of those guys that just he doesn't have a position on this team because he doesn't want to play DH and he wants to be a squeaky wheel and play the field. And this is not a team that uh, is going to let somebody and Aloy, if you are listening, I'm sorry, buddy. But, you know, (laughs) until you prove me wrong, he's a butcher in the field, just like half of the team. Well, yeah, in Missouri, maybe show me state. Show me. Just saying. Yeah. You know, it, it is what it is, man. Look, the guy is a lot of fun to watch when he's swinging it good, right? You know, he likes to hit those monster dingers. You know, I won't for, I'll never forget his first couple when uh, they were playing against the Yankees and Roy oh, yeah, was this young budding rookie. And uh, he goes ahead and hits two against the Yankees and uh you know way to break out right and everybody was like here we go thanks cubs you know that whole thing mm. um but yeah unfortunately he's just he's not the defender that we were hoping he would develop into you know we go back to the checking the boxes checking the boxes checking the boxes the old Rick Hahn you know lawyer speak yeah but there was some truth to that you know obviously he needed some help defensively in the outfield and i just don't think there's a spot for him as much as i would love to see him stay here and i would love for him to embrace the dh role and do it well like we saw the second half of last season i just don't know that uh it, it's going to be beneficial for the white Sox to hold on to him i you know like you say this is not a team that's going to be uber competitive next season uh yeah you know, I don't know if he's going to be traded before the season starts. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Maybe they uh, bring him back for the first half of the season and hope that he can find that form uh, with some new hitting coaches. And uh, you know, maybe hit a bunch of those monster dingers. But you know, if the, when that time comes, if that's the case, and he has a good first half, I think you got to take that value and uh, turn it into something that's going to be uh, part of the future team that uh, they're hoping to build. That is a competitor. What do you think? Uh, Mark Orr says Seattle's expressed interest, but what's the return? And I mean, I w- obviously I would have to see the return to actually, uh, you know, base an opinion on it. Uh, I mean, they do have some prospects that are, 
you know, that people are talking about. So, I mean, it is entirely possible. Uh, I just like one of the things to, to think about when you, when you think about Eloy, the issue is, is that he doesn't play full seasons. He gets hurt and spends, you know, even if it's just a couple of weeks, you know, when he goes on the, goes on the IL for a couple of weeks and then he's got a week rehab stint, like that's almost a month gone. You know, and this has happened throughout his entire career. Um, There's just been one thing after another, you know, whether it be a torn pec or, you know, some sort of uh, hamstring injury or knee or somebody steps on his foot when they're having a fist fight out on the field. Um, I mean, it's it's always something, you know, whether he's uh, out there getting caught by the Gorton's fishermen out in uh, left field. You know, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's just always something with the guy. And, you know, he, he does have a a very special bat. You know, the guy can hit when he's, when he's not hitting ground balls all the time. Um, But, I mean, the guy can, he can crush a baseball and he can hit line drives and he's a, he's a great hitter. And as far as, you know, bat to ball skill contact goes, he's phenomenal. But, you know, let's hope that, uh, Marcus Timms can uh, impress upon him that he should stop trying to hit pitchers' pitches and should instead hit mistakes and hit pitches that are in his specific spot until there are two strikes. <laughs> you know, no first pitch swinging on low and outside sliders, you know, and rolling right. over just to third base. You can, just because you can get a piece of the bat on it doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. You know, just because maybe part of that little white ball with the little red stripes on it comes through there and it it catches just the slightest sliver of plate does not mean you've got to swing at it. You need to be able to put the good part of the wood on that ball. And, you know, he is a special talent. And because of his special talent is what it allows him to be able to put some of those balls in play, right? You know, uh, he's able to get out in front of the hook before it hooks away from him or out of the zone. Sometimes, sometimes that's exactly. But we've it. seen it. We've seen it often enough where he's not able to get out in front of that hook, or he's too far out in front of that hook, anticipating and trying, and uh, you know, then you end up twisted up, and, and he's, he's he's corkscrewed into the ground while the ball is in the catcher's mitt. And he's looking kind of stupid. And you know, again, I hate to I hate to say bad things about the guy because when he's on, phenomenal player to watch, right? You know, when you see those monster bombs go out, he's got those skyscrapers that just seem to hang up there forever, or the the rocket that you know is out of the park in one point two seconds because it was a hundred and fifteen mile an hour line drive. You know that that stuff's fun, but when you're not going well, it's not fun. And you know, we're just kind of hoping for something anything that is going to provide the spark that he needs. And unfortunately, none of that's going to come from the field. It's it's going to come all on the bat side of his game. And, you know, like I said, I just feel like his spot on this team is going to be that of a DH. And if he doesn't find that consistency and he doesn't learn how to stay away from the pitcher's pitch, well, he really has no spot on this team. So, you know, like I said, I, I, do I think they're going to trade him? Yes. Is it going to be before the season starts? I don't know. If the return is there, sure. 
Uh, if it's not, I think they're going to hope to build his value. And I still think he's gone by the trade deadline. Because, you know, again, this all hinges on the White Sox not being in contention for anything next year. So why, what would be the point of holding on to a player of his caliber if you can get something in return that's going to help you build the future of this ball club when it is ready to contend? Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just uh, some some food for thought is that uh, he's getting paid $13 million this year, and then there are club options for 16 and a half and 18 and a half in 25 and 26. So he's still owed quite a bit of money. Um, so if, A, if he does not put up offensive numbers or he gets hurt often, you're not getting any value. Right. Regardless of that, unless he has a great year this year and you cut bait with him right away, you know, you're not going to be getting great value unless he puts up like absolutely monster numbers if you trade him at the deadline this year. I mean, if he puts up monster numbers, you might be able to get decent value, but because of how much money he's owed, I don't know that you're going to be able to get, you know, a decent return at all, you know? Uh, it's just that that's that's the problem. And with how much you've invested in him, does it make sense to let him go when your other options at DH is Andrew Vaughn or a Gavin Sheets or somebody like that where, you know, you're also... You know, if Eloy plays 120 games and 100 of those games are when he's healthy, he will probably put up just as high of statistical numbers as those other two guys over a full 162. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So is it worth taking that risk? Possibly. I mean, if you don't, if, if, if you're looking to not have that extra money on the payroll, yeah, I mean, it's worth it. But, you know, what kind of, what kind of return can you expect? I have no idea. You know, I, I really don't know. I'd be surprised if it was anything great. If you're not looking to have that extra money on the payroll, have you, have you spoken to Unky Jer? Well, Do you know something I don't? <laughs> I mean, we did save we did save twelve million. Or actually, I guess eleven million after the one million dollar buyout on uh, Tim's contract. So there is that. Yeah, right. So he has gotten some uh, some cash back. Um, but I guess technically, when you take all of the players that came back in the bummer trade and how that added two and a half million dollars of payroll, really, it's only you know now you're at eight and a half that you saved. So I mean, really, you know. Things are kind of, you know, you're still ahead. You're still in the, you're still in the black here on money that you've made yeah. back. But uh, you know, it's all about quantity, not quality. Yeah, quantity. we need to need to sign a dozen players at two million dollars each instead of spending twenty four million dollars on on one good player. Um, it is the way. It is the way. All right. So uh, next on that list. Um, it has been said by an "quote unquote" insider uh, that it is ninety percent certain uh, amongst 
front office people that Dylan Cease is going to be traded here in the near future. Um, so next week we have the uh, the winter meetings. Um, is he gone at the winter meetings? Is he gone hmm. before spring training? Or is he a uh, deadline deal? What do you think? Uh, <clears throat> it's That's a little bit more of a difficult question to answer. Uh, I almost would say... I'd almost put my money on winter meetings. And reason being is that, well, maybe not. You, you know, I, I'm going to back that train up a little bit. There are a handful of good pitchers on the market right now, right? Not a ton, but a handful. Uh, you know, you've got the Tyler Glasnows. you got the Shane Bieber's. you got, you know, a couple of guys that, that, that can be improvements to some rotations. I don't know that if it would be in Getz's and the White Sox best interest to be in a hurry to deal Dylan Cease because as some of those other guys come off the board, now you're going to have that bidding war. Uh, and, you know, let's be honest, when it comes to pitching in the MLB, everybody needs it. There isn't a team out there that can say my rotation is perfect, right? Uh, so I would like to think that, uh, they would take their time and make sure they are getting the best package in return for him. But again, now saying that the things I've said, there are a lot of teams that are out there that want to get their hands on somebody who is the caliber of Dylan Cease in the hopes that they can return him to his form of, you know, 2021 and 2022, as opposed to 2023. Uh, more specifically, 2022, when you're you know in the top three in Cy Young votes, right? Um, I think a lot of teams are probably assuming that you know that might be a glitch in his game in 2023 because he was playing for a White Sox team that was disinterested or seemingly disinterested, and uh, you know it, it being part of a dysfunctional family, right? So. You know, maybe there's teams that are just chomping at the bit. Again, it all is going to come down in return, but I think he's definitely gone long before spring training. I'll yeah. say that. I, I I'm kind of in the same boat. If uh, I mean, we we have had this conversation that we were fairly certain that uh, Jerry is not going to be forthcoming with enough cash to keep him around when his deal expires. And uh, right now, you have two full years. Uh, if you trade him at the deadline, the other team's going to at least get two years of, you know, two playoff runs, hopefully, for that team that uh, acquires him. Um, at least two playoff runs, which is obviously going to be much more valuable than one full year or one playoff run, right? Right. Uh, Mark says, I think he will be a brave by spring training. And, uh, I would not be surprised. Um, that to me seems like a, I mean, I don't know if it'll be the Braves landing spot. Um, it's, and it's amazing for him cause it's home, you know, like he's a, he's right. an Atlanta boy. So, you know, if he gets home great for him, 
you know, uh, just the only thing that kind of were, you know, like I've, I've kind of had my, uh, my heart set on getting some of my hands on some of those uh, Orioles prospects. And, oh, no uh, kidding. you know, <laughs> I mean, I do watch a, a fair amount of minor league baseball and I've seen what those kids can do. And uh, I am intrigued by quite a few of their top 15, 20 prospects, you know, like a bunch of those guys can, can do some stuff. And I would love to, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna move him, uh, I don't want it to be for uh, you know like one very good prospect from from the Braves and then a couple of guys that are eh, you know like I'd I'd rather you know hopefully get a couple of the uh, top twenty from the Orioles, you know, um, you know hopefully you know top a couple of top ten guys would be my personal hope you know i've right. got uh quite a few of those guys that i like so um but uh yeah i mean and like the, the thing to think about you know like as far as i've thought about the orioles is that they don't like to spend money either you know they do not and so with his two years you know where he's est- he's arb three and uh arb three and four uh is it estimated at 8.3 and 12.3 so you're looking at roughly like twenty and a half million dollars for two years of a, you know, I don't necessarily guess I would say he's you know an ace because he does run into consistency issues. Um, last year he was you know in 2022 rather uh, very good, you know, and uh, for the most part was uh, was real close to being an ace. But the issue is 2023 and 2021. Where the walks go up and the innings aren't, you know, aren't there. And that that's the the issue for me. Well, and the thing is, is twenty twenty one we saw flashes of twenty twenty two, right? We saw the possibility of him taking that next step going into twenty two, and boy, did he! He took that step. Uh, he took a jump. He took a leap. Right. Uh, the regression in twenty three felt different than 2021 did to me. It, it 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 felt like something was missing. You know, it felt much like the way the team, the White Sox and it as a whole, you know, if we if we take Dylan Cease and we look at him in a microcosm, uh it, it, him his his game felt like he was still there. But he just couldn't find it. You know what I mean? Like, it was in there. You couldn't find it. 2021 was like it was in there, and we're trying to bring it out of you. 2023 was like, it's there, and you just don't seem to have the interest to bring it out of you. Like, you know, and you can go through the motions. You can listen to, to these interviews. And those interviews that he was given last year sounded a lot like Lucas Giolito's interviews from a couple years before where he was like, ah, you know, I knew where I was, and I had to make some changes. I just got to fight through it, and I, I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, I know what I'm doing wrong and I'm working on it. We heard a lot of that from a lot of White Sox players and a lot of White Sox pitchers over the years. But Dylan just seemed to be, I I feel like it was a team thing for him. It's just a bad environment. You know, uh, we've heard whispers of shortages in, in coaching staff on both the minor league and major league level. Uh, maybe you're not getting the attention you once got 
in the past, and now things just don't feel right. And when that happens, it's hard to get going again. So I think, you know, if if he's kind of out there, you know, obviously he's he is out there. He's on he's on a lot of teams. He's like he's on their the tip of their tongue, right? Everybody's talking about him. I think if the White Sox sell it that way, if Chris Getz comes in and says, you know what? I am the new regime. And things were bad here, but we can't use him. But we promise he's that guy. And and you got this coaching staff that's a you know that that's that's more better staffed, more well staffed than ours is. You can probably fix them. But you can't give them up for nothing, right? So I don't know. They, they, I, like I said, the comparison between 21 and 23, just not the same to me. That's what I'm saying. You know, is that that's the thing that I think is going to uh, dictate what you're going to get back is who that team thinks they're getting. Right. You know, and uh, I don't know. You know, it. Uh, well, we're going to see we'll what see. kind of salesman Gets can be, for sure. Obviously, you know, uh, we felt pretty good about the first trade he made, bringing you know the five for one for Bummer. Uh, nothing really to write home about, but the fact that uh, you were able to get what you got is impressive for your first move as a GM. Let's see what kind of sales trade, you know, what kind of salesman skills he's got when you do have a piece to uh, sell off. Yep. Uh, I mean, you know, a couple of those guys were probably going to be, you know, roster cuts anyway on the the roster for the Braves, but uh, the White Sox didn't have to try and sign them out from under anybody else, so that helps them. And, uh, you know, if they get a a good year out of Soroka and uh, Jared Schuster ends up being something or, uh, you know, Nicky Lopez can do something for you, you know, whether that be in a utility role or starting at second base or whatever, you know, um, we'll yeah, see. Braden Shoemake can come up and maybe swipe a couple bags for you or something. And, uh, who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, um, so say that Dylan Cease does go. Uh, there, There is going to be essentially uh, one piece of the future in that starting rotation. <laughs> um, where does that leave our friend Michael Kopech? Well, you're asking me this seriously. Yeah. I mean, do you th- uh, do you I'm- see him as a starter? Because a lot of people are saying that they think that he's going to be a reliever. And to me, I don't think putting a guy who struggles Especially from the get-go. Yeah, who struggles in the first inning. His worst innings are often the first inning. How do you how, how do you train your mind from one going from starter to reliever uh from being highly touted as a prospect and and being the hype? And uh you know just to remind you, I it, I remember going to the first game that he started, and he yeah. unfortunately only got two game, got two innings pitched because of a rain delay. Yeah, that was, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was uh, it was a bit disappointing for him and everybody that was in attendance to see him pitch that that game at home. But uh, you you have to go through this whole mental 
his mental makeup to be able to have to go from such a highly tied prospect and such an anticipated uh, start to a career on the south side when we when everybody and their brother was holding their breath for this new era and this new window of competitiveness and every everything was supposed to be coming together right around this time was this guy was starting his career and you go from that to kind of you know dealing with the injuries and then coming back from the injuries and not being the same guy and then you know last season having the, the worst you know season of your career and giving up dinger after dinger. And it all started on opening day. People were like, what is this guy doing? This is our opening day starter. And he gives us seven home runs like well, he was throwing batting practice. Home opener. Sorry. Ho- right. Home opener. Just saying. You, you know, know not, he was, he it's was, not he the was, opener. It's the home right, opener. He was the home opener. Right. Yeah. But he was the starting pitcher at the White Sox opener. And like I said, it looked like he was giving up batting practice. I think I got up to go to the bathroom. I was gone for not that long. And he gave up like four. In the it was, fourth inning or something. Yeah, it was so it painful. Was it was brutal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you go through all that as Michael Kopech. And now you have to find the mental toughness to give up your hopes of being a starter and to be thrown in a bullpen situation and have much less time to prepare because you never know when you're going to get the call to come into a game. Yeah. And you just got to go out there and be ready to fire and and get a hold or, you know, a save if that's the situation. I, I just don't know if that works. I mean, yeah. And like the thing that you can go back to is that he did do well in his relief role when he was stretching back out. Uh, but the thing is, is that the expectations that were set on him when he was coming back. When he was having control, uh, command issues, when he would give up a home run, when there was an issue, was to be expected because he was rehabbing from Tommy John. Now he doesn't have that that crutch to to lean on, you know? So if he goes out there in a relief role and you're expecting to get clean innings from him all the time, that just might not happen. And, you know, we've seen – I mean – I'm not saying he's mentally soft, um, but no, that's not what I was trying to say. Either. No, no, I know. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there before you know I hear back about it. Um, I'm not saying that he's <laughs> mentally soft. I just, I wonder if he runs into problems there if it just continues to spiral. You know, because you know we've seen a different person, uh, personality-wise, from Kopech. Uh, over the last couple of years since the uh, the whole COVID season, the, the lockdown season, when he didn't By the pitch. way, that's uh, at I Eskridge yeah. on uh, x.com. Yeah, hit me up. The old uh, formerly is uh, Twitter. Yep, hit Just, me up. Just uh, throwing it out there. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, hey, man, you know, if we say it here, we're going to own it. You You better believe it. Yeah. Um, so if, uh, Chris Getz goes out and trades both Eloy and Dylan Cease, how, uh, how upset are you going to be with our new friend, Mr. Demon Getz? How upset am I going to be? Yeah. You're going to be upset that, that, uh, that 
the return from the Jose Quintana trade, other than uh, Matt Rose and uh, Bryant Flete, who are both no longer with the White Sox organization. Uh, are Is you going? Flete? I thought it was Fleet, but anyway, yeah, that's Flete. Okay. Uh, am I going to be upset? Yeah, uh, not at all. Okay. No, those trades. You know, when we talk about the if we're if we're going to go back to that. Those trades were part of the last regime. It, they're no longer. There's no wins and losses there anymore. It, to be honest with you, they didn't net the White Sox any more than uh, one win per, per playoff appearance in over the last seven years. <laughs> so, oh, is that uh, sad? you know, uh, I don't really care to even talk about those trades anymore. We can say we can we can we can use the word fleece over and over again, as it was when a lot of those trades went down. You know, when we traded away Adam Eaton and David Robinson and, you know, Chris Sale and all those guys, Fleece, 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 Fleece was thrown around like nobody's business. Jose Quintana, you know. Well, uh, to me, to be honest with you, the only ones that were fleeced were the fans. We had the wool pull over our eyes. We were sold a product, and again, I'm not blaming Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams at, at you know for the whole of this whole thing. Uh, you know, obviously the players, the coaching staff, lack thereof when it comes to coaching staff and, and folks behind the scenes. Uh the uh the hiring of a of a new Hall of Famer guy manager who decided that he didn't want to use the information and data that was in front of him. And thusly, probably had a hand in letting go of even more of that staff. Uh, you know, all that stuff's it's, it's in the past. Bygones are bygones. We're starting new. I don't really care if they sell low on him right now. Uh, I'm ready to wipe the slate clean. And if Michael Kopech can net you anything in return, well, so be it. And uh, you know, at this point, it doesn't matter. We're we're gonna be in the doldrums for a while here. You think? You know, because they don't think so. It took us. It well, you know, Josh Barfield when he talks says some really nice things. I'll say that he he says things that that leave me a glimmer of hope. But it's nothing more than a glimmer at this point because we've talked about it before. Is everything is show me right now? Is we just went through seven years of really really hard to watch baseball. And when well, it looked like it was getting better, it got better for what seemed like, oh, a minute, and then it got bad again. So I think we're in for, I mean, it, there's, I, to me, there's no quick turnaround. <clears throat> Getting better defensively sounds fantastic. I love that idea because we've watched a team that is absolutely atrocious, kick the ball around, throw the ball around, trip over each other, run into each other, hang off offenses and rip their arms out of the socket, jump into netting. We watch catchers with their legs falling off, pitchers with their arms falling off. It, it's a circus, right? When it was supposed to be so much better. So, yeah, getting better defensively, fantastic. Thank you. I'm here for it. But when you're getting better f de defensively and you have zero pitching and uh, not a whole lot in the offensive side of the ball, aside from Luis Robert, maybe Aloy Jimenez, Maybe Yohan Kata's back is, you know, not needing to be pinned together with 
you know, clothespins and staples and Elmer's glue, you know, whatever it is you need to do. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit of offense. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I just feel like there's no quick fixes. And I, I feel like we're in it for a while, man. Yeah. I mean, the the only thing I think that you can kind of hopefully look forward to is that with that additional uh, help from defense is that, uh, and, you know, I mean, also go and say, you know, you start building a team full of tryhards is that you're going to have guys that are going to be hustling. And that's something that I don't think, you know, uh, with what they're assembling down there, uh, I think that you, you can at least look forward to guys that play hard. And you're not going to see uh, dogging very often. No, I'm you know? not saying that the team won't be more interesting to watch. I feel like that is probably going to be the case. I feel like we're not. Well, here's the thing. That goes twofold. It's twofold for me. It is not. It's more than just about being tryhards. It's also about expectations being much lower than they have been. And when you curb your expectations, it's it's a little bit easier to kind of watch those. Things, you know what I mean? And I, I think they will be interesting. But again, I don't think they're going to be a very high scoring team, and I don't think they're going to be a great pitching team. So yeah, if we get a chance to you know cheer about some leather being thrown around out there, so be it. Great, fantastic. Yeah, that was kind of this was one question I kind of had was you know Chris gets one of the things that he's been saying is that. We're going to build a defensive team so pitchers want to come and pitch here because they know that they've got a solid defense behind them. My question is, are the pitchers going to want to come and pitch here if your offense is scoring two runs a game? Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult to uh, get a win if you're leaving ball games, and even if you've gotten six innings and it's a and I'm gonna throw the air quotes up there quality start. A humdinger. Because you Yeah, because you gave up less than three runs in six innings. And you still can't get a win. That's what I'm saying. You're I mean I know I know wins aren't L or no decision. Wins aren't like uh you know aren't uh one of the stats that we generally look at now, when you're ton, a pitcher you are but as a pitcher who knows that regardless of whether his whip's good, whether his ERA's good, uh, if he's got five wins and you know twelve losses with a three ERA, I mean, regardless, he's not going to have any fun, and he'd rather sign somewhere else for five hundred thousand dollars less a year. Well, and well, not to mention if you sign on a team that uh, is getting you that stat. That W stat, we all know that the W stat, they say, is it's it's a team stat, right? But when you're a pitcher and you're looking to get that next contract, you don't think that comes into play in negotiations? You're you're sadly mistaken. Yeah, Sure, we are in the era of analytics where WHIP and BABIP and all those things come into play, but good luck sitting down at a negotiation and saying, hey, my WHIP is only 1.1. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And my, my BABIP... My my BABIP is three seventy eight, but you know, I got I, I went five and thirteen last year. Yeah, <laughs> you you just knocked a few mil off your contract right yeah. there, but yep. Um, all right, so I want to move on to uh, this defensive thing that we're talking about here. 
And uh, I'm going to bring up some guys here, and uh, we'll uh, go ahead and hash through this and see what you have to see what you have to say about it. Sure. We have our friend Getz here, who is assembling. That's a great picture, by the way. Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good too. Um, so he, like he's been up all night on the on the Vegas Strip. Yeah, hair all over the place. And this was like this was a he's been hanging out with uh, Jeremy Giambi. Yeah, this is a this is a dugout picture too. This isn't like uh, GM <laughs> meetings, you know, where everybody's been uh, hurling sure, feces at each other and uh, yeah, right. <laughs> getting sick. You know, this is like uh, you know, I guess maybe just because he's been. <laughs> Dealing with uh, Jerry that might have him uh, mussing his hair like that. All right. So uh, the key free agent acquisition. um, Yes. Paul Dadong. So uh, good defensively. Uh, The bat. Not ideal. Yeah, less than mediocre. <laughs> yes, not even worse than less than ideal. It is less than mediocre. <laughs> um, so stop me if you've heard this before. Um, but we have uh, Naperville Central Zone, Naperville Nikki Lopez. Hey, Nikki Lopez. Figured There's I'd bring up one. a picture of him from actually when he was at Naperville Central. Um, nice. Yeah, so uh, between those two guys, you at least defensively have a shortstop and a second baseman defensively that can get the job done. Uh, Absolutely. The the issue comes is that when you've watched this White Sox team over the last, you know, give or take, uh, I don't know, five, six years now, um, if everybody that's supposed to be is healthy – Generally, they put up fairly decent numbers. But now you take Tim Anderson out of that. And uh, obviously, Nick Madrigal's gone. Um, Elvis Andrus is now gone. Um, who, you know, generally, you know, would put up like a a decent OPS plus, WRC plus, you know. Uh, even if it was uh, all singles from uh, all three of those guys, more or less, uh, at least in the last... You know, Nick Madrigal all the time, but uh, Tim Anderson in the last two years has been mostly singles, and uh, Elvis Andrus also mostly singles. Um, You know, basically, you're going to get the power of Tim Anderson from a few years ago out of Paul DeDong, uh, but you're not going to be getting those uh, deflection singles into right field all the time out of him. So the OPS is going to be probably about the same because he hits a bunch more home runs, but he doesn't get on walks. He does walk. He, I mean, yeah. Okay, fine. He gets on base, uh, uh, at least halfway decently, but the guy doesn't hit very much. No, no. If you're looking for him to move runners over, uh, you can stop looking. (laughs) <laughs> unless he's hitting it out of the park. Yeah. And which like you mentioned very comedically that he did that at a clip 15 times that of Tim Anderson last year. Yeah. 
Uh, Nikki Anderson, no power to uh, Nikki Anderson. Nikki Lopez, uh, no power to speak of whatsoever. Uh, but if you yep. get uh, what is it, two thousand eighteen, or is it two thousand nineteen? I can't remember. But I believe the, it was nineteen. Was the one year that Nikki Lopez had, where he was a hundred and fourteen. OPS plus or WRC plus one or the other. Um, you know, you got that one year out of Nicky Lopez and every other year, pretty much it's been, you know, garbage for offense. Um, but the gloves real good and he's good on the base paths. So, I mean, between those two guys, you at least have defensive subs for late in the game. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll say that. Okay, I mean, and like you said, you know, earlier in the show, we, we're not going to feel bad about letting prospects play when these are the two biggest names uh, you have in your infield, or at least your middle infield, I should say. You know, you're not going to feel bad about giving Lenin Sosa another chance, or you know, uh, Popeye Rodriguez getting his re- a, a real shot. Or, you know, any of these guys that you can think about coming up, Romy Gonzalez, well, whoever it might yeah. be. I, let's let's go ahead and just start popping these guys out there. Uh, I don't even sure. I didn't I don't even have one of Romy because I didn't even think to put him out because like he's been injured so much. And the thing is is that right. when he's played and had consistent at bats, he's been good. Stud. But the problem is keeping him healthy and keeping him out on the field. Right. I mean, it's like, it's been, you know, unfortunately for him. Sound familiar? Yeah, I know. It's uh, an unfortunate thing that's just been uh, plaguing the White Sox for years now. Uh, so, last year uh, we had a real nice uh, rookie month out of Zach Remillard. And, uh, you know, things slowed down as, as time went on. But... Uh, you know he does little things. He, you know, he plays baseball, and uh, you know he he bunts a little bit too much for quite a few people's liking, which I can concur with. Um, <laughs> and you, I mean, I, actually, which is kind of strange uh, that you didn't see the power that Zach Remillard has at all in Major League. Yeah, baseball. that was a little weird. Yeah, it was a little weird. You know, the one thing I do like about Zach Romarler, though, is he plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You know what I mean? He's got that, a little bit of that spark that this team has been missing. Uh, So, you know, in that matter, sure. And he's a little bit older than, you know, some of your typical prospects that we would be talking about coming up. You know, he's not Colson Montgomery where we're talking about, hey, don't rush him up because he's too young and he hasn't had enough time. Zachy Flats has had a a boatload of time in the minors and uh you know maybe that's why he plays with that grit and that you know that spark is he's got to find a way to make his way to a major league roster and stay there but you know you talk about tryhards earlier in the show and that's the type of guy i think zaggy flats is man remillard is he he's a tryhard he's gonna come out there and he's gonna play with heart every single inning of every single game that he's a part of. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, you know, and then also, you know, you can also throw on top of that that he's a college World Series champion, you know? The guy knows what it takes to win baseball games and he's been part of a he's been part of a cohesive 
team structure where the team is more important than the individual, which is something that this team has had major issues with <laughs> for years now since uh, since basically since all these prospects who are like the next coming and getting these huge contracts before even playing a single, you know, playing in the field for a single inning are getting these million, you know, multi-million dollar extensions because they're the next guys. And, you know, like... Not a whole lot of hunger inspired there when you're getting everything, you know, before you even produce any kind of results, you know. And unfortunately, that's what we've seen. Uh, I'll go by service time here. Uh, next guy up out of uh, uh, these guys that I've got up here is Lenin Sosa. And we've talked about him numerous times, you know, and the fact that he generally takes a while to get going in his new spot when he goes. And when he's moving all over the place, seems like he doesn't get comfortable. So the numbers suffer a little bit. You know, he still had decent numbers in Charlotte, but, uh, you know, the absolutely crazy numbers that you saw from him in 2022, you didn't see so much in 2023 because... You know, he's going up and down and, you know, between Charlotte's clubhouse and between the White Sox clubhouse, could you imagine bouncing back and forth between those two places? Yeah, it's like I'm I'm going from the, the, the you know, the 34th level of hell to the 35th level back. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. not to mention that his teammates... Uh, in Charlotte, were like I don't know, twenty five years older than him. You know, the better oh, part of a them. few of them, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I here is the thing: is that I would like to see him get some run. Um, but the thing is, is that when you are looking at the uh, the gets plan here, which is glove, you know, more or less glove first guys. You know, Lenin Sosa does not fit that mold. You know, he's not bad defensively. And uh you know, he's got a decent arm. Um but is the downgrade in glove going to be made up by the upgrade in bat or the you know perceived upgrade in bat from a guy that's batting 215 when Lenin Sosa hasn't done it in the major leagues yet. Now, yeah, I mean, you and, can make you all know, the excuses, but you know, bottom line, he hasn't put that's, up that's that. going to be, that's going to be a, a common thread amongst uh, a few of the uh, upcoming White Sox prospects. And I'm sure we'll get into that. I won't jump ahead too much. Oh yeah. There. There's, there's a couple more coming here. I only, I only have a couple more, but then I also have, uh, one final question on this uh, when we're done with these next couple of guys here because I, I find it kind of interesting with the uh, the way things have been termed as of late. Uh, next guy, um, a guy who's actually played a full game and actually gotten at bats in Major League Baseball, uh, Braden Shoemake. Braden Shoemake. Uh, again, great glove. Uh, decent contact guy, but impact with the bat has been a problem. Um, 
when not swinging for the fences. And when he swings for the fences, the numbers dip. He'll hit the ball hard sometimes, but the problem is is that the the you know the average dips and he really has well, the mechanics kind of get wonky when I would imagine hard, I've noticed. Yeah. yeah, so I mean this is another guy, you know, it, he kind of fits in with at least with the top two guys in uh Dedong and Nicky Lopez is that you know this is a true glove first guy and uh you know I'm sure that that's probably why he was picked up because of that that very reason um I just don't know if he's going to hit even well enough to even stick with the White Sox 26 man roster even as a as a utility guy I mean cuz when you got when you got Paul DeYoung and and uh Nicky Lopez it, I mean assuming that those are your two starters at second base and shortstop if that is indeed the case you would think that the guy that you're going to replace them with uh, in a pinch hit situation should at least be able to hit. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. You're, you know, defensive replacement and you don't really need a defensive replacement for either one of those guys. So if you can't hit, you're probably not going to see a lot of time. Yeah. And you know, like, I mean, you got a, you know, a couple left-handed bats here. Uh, you know, I know that everybody is, you know, not everybody, but quite a people worried about uh, the, the lineup being too right-handed heavy, and we needed a bunch of left-handed hitters, and uh, now we've got a bunch of left-handed uh, batters. Yeah, I wouldn't call them hitters. That's, some uh, yes. I, we got some guys that stand in that box. Yeah, I will leave that <laughs> distinction uh, somewhere else, uh, Not with not with these gentlemen yet, anyway. Right. Uh, so the last one that I've got here... Um, is a guy who the White Sox brought up and uh, had him pinch hit. They had him play defense for an inning, uh, but that's pretty much all he got. And he uh, finished the season in Charlotte last year, uh, hit some home runs, hit 21 home runs over the year last year. Uh, after coming back from hamate surgery, plays very good defense, and that is bye bye. Jose Rodriguez, a.k.a. Popeye. I made the uh, executive decision to uh, use a little bit of Photoshop on those uh, forearms there to make him just a little bit bit beefier. Um, But that is how he got his nickname because he's got uh, very large, strong forearms. So uh, I have, like, uh, you know, white knighted for Jose Rodriguez quite a bit in the last couple months. and he's also another one of those guys, a lot like Lenin, where you know he consistent playing time to uh, find his groove. And uh, once he kind of does, it's it's pretty much on for him, right? Has it's, it's historically it has been like that, yes. So I mean, I would I would love to see him get out there and uh, actually get an opportunity because if you go back to. Uh, the search tool on your uh, Twitter slash X app, and you search from col- uh, semicolon daily White Sox, Jose Rodriguez, you will find a bunch of great uh, defensive plays from him. You'll see, you know, some great base running. You'll see some power. Uh, you see a bunch of stuff. The the only thing is, is that. 
you know, you just is he going to even get a shot because of a perceived, you know, defensive weakness comparatively to at least these right, guys. two ticketed starters at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I no, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm following along right there with you. But, you know, again, my statement remains the same. Uh, yeah, we want to be the better defensively, right? It's just been, it, it has been a, a ringing, absolutely ringing statement from this White Sox front office. Is that's, that's our intent, is to become defensively better. But, you know, at the same time, I'm not going to feel bad about stealing innings from either one of those guys that, uh, you know, you give an opportunity to a youngster to uh, get his chances at the major league level. I personally don't feel bad. I don't know how the front office is going to feel about that, but you're not paying either one of these guys a a ton of money, right? So this isn't one of those situations where, hey, we're paying this guy $20 million a year. We cannot have him sit on the bench and not at least try to produce. Whether or not he is producing is a whole other story. But, you know, you get those moments where a contract sometimes defines the role that this guy's going to be in regardless. Oh, we got a lot of trying to slump. Well, the slump's been going on for five months, you know, but in, it, it doesn't matter because we're paying him all this money and we're not going to pay him money to, you know, get splinters in his ass. So uh, in this case, I think, uh, you know, you're probably right. These two guys are probably going to be your everyday starters unless uh, we get some kind of crazy happenings here in the next few months which i don't really foresee uh you know th- those those are going to be your typically your everyday starters right so i don't know uh i take it all with a grain of salt i think that uh it's a shame that some of these younger guys aren't probably going to get the best opportunities in a white Sox uniform my only concern at that point is is i hope I shouldn't say concern. My only hope is that these guys do do well in the minor leagues and uh, maybe get them some value at the trade deadline so that we can, you know, send them somewhere else, bring something back, and they get an opportunity somewhere else. You know, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I believe that uh, at at the very least, uh, Lenin Sosa and Popeye Rodriguez, out of the group that you've pulled up here, should get an opportunity somewhere. I mean, you would think, you know, at least, you know, I mean, Jose Rodriguez has seen, you know, very minimal time at in the major leagues. Uh, I would like to see him get yeah, pinch uh, run, pinch hit. Yeah, I'd like to see him at defensive least replacement for something. Winning. You know. <laughs> um. So, with all that stuff said, and with what you know about what the White Sox want to do here, and this, I. I don't think that this is going to play any part in the decision at all. I just want to kind of wanted to throw it out there because I, I kind of found it interesting is that we are talking about building a defensive first club and that uh, we're going to field the ball and uh, things are going to be great. Uh, pitchers are going to want to come here again uh, because there'll be a defense behind them. Uh the number one prospect in the White Sox system is a shortstop, and he is well, not known as a defensive shortstop. 
No, he's a bat first kind of guy. And I will say he has improved. However, you know, if you're looking for a Nicky Lopez type of glove, that's he's not there or even close to that right now. Uh, he's not bad, but you know, Nicky Lopez. If you Lopez haven't figured is, it out, you know by now you've probably been living under a rock. But if you haven't figured it out by now, Ian is speaking of a one Colson Montgomery. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, my only thought on that, you know, you, you throw that question out there and I was alluding to that, you know, when I, when I brought that up, Oh, Hey buddy. So we have another appearance from my, uh, one of my, my besties here. That's Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, Newton. the, uh, yeah, he's a, uh, he's a shepherd child mix that, uh, you know, has an attention whore at times. So go lay down, buddy. Go on, lay down. Sorry. <laughs> Anywho, you know when 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 we were talking about that, and I alluded to the fact that you know that might be a a trend during this conversation that we were going to be talking about uh, bat first prospects. It was Colson that I was I had in mind when we were talking about this, uh, and I think I actually caught you know a, a little bit of a conversation between you and uh, White Sox Daily's uh, Logan Hard uh, in our little group chat there. And he had brought it up. And, uh, you know, I got to be honest with you. I think the only thing that I can say, and that I think the White Sox organization is hoping for, is that maybe, you know, this next season, because, you know, it's obvious now that we're not going to be competing the way we thought we were going to be competing in the last couple of years, that uh, there's no reason to rush this kid, right? We want to make sure that he gets all of the tutelage that he needs down at the lower levels before we expose him uh, at the, and I mean, expose (laughs) by all means. I mean, expose him at the major league level, because let's be honest. I mean, the pitching is, is different. The speed of the game is slightly different. Uh, And, you know, there's no reason to, to, to do that to this kid. There's no reason to take a guy who is, so highly rated, not just within the White Sox organization, but as overall as a prospect, and uh, you know, make him feel small by bringing him up too early when he's not ready. So, with the new focus on defense in the White Sox organization, and some of the new hires that we've been kind of hearing about, and the additional hands that will be part of the organization because this this isn't just about bringing in new coaches to replace the old coaches this is about bringing in staff to add numbers to the coaching staff right there are going to be more bodies in place from what we are being told and we're on we're here to understand uh whether or not that comes to fruition you know some of it's kind of already started to happen but we're kind of hoping for maybe some more in the future uh maybe that will allow for him to spend more time working and focusing on the defense without losing sight of the bat, right? So maybe another year down there, maybe, and like you said, he has been improved. Maybe he continues to improve. But if he doesn't, then what? That's exactly my point, is, you know, I haven't heard anybody mention this yet, uh, and, and I don't think... That And I, I just want to throw this out there. I'm not saying that they're going to 
trade him or anything like that. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself when I'm thinking of this defensive first mantra that they've been talking about and thinking that, well, okay, but what about Colson Montgomery? You know, are you telling me that you're going to move him to left field because he doesn't play shortstop like Nicky Lopez does or like Paul DeYoung does? Is is that what we're talking about? I mean, is that really what we're talking about here? Well, I mean, for a shortstop, he's actually on the, the bigger size, right? Yes. You know, Tall compared dude. to most shortstops. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We don't we don't want you to catch. We want you to play first base. First base. I've never played first base before. <laughs> it's it's easy. Oh, it's easy. Tell don't worry wash. Tell them wash. <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely difficult. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, the White Sox. Well, third base. Yeah, so I've heard James, this. I've heard this uh, in multiple places. It, well, and James Hesterman, uh, if you're listening to the stream or listen to the podcast instead of watching us on the stream on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, um, says uh, Colson third base, and I don't think that we're looking at uh i i think that most of the time when you move somebody to third base it's out of necessity because they can't play shortstop and i i don't necessarily think that colson montgomery doesn't have the the tool set to play shortstop i think he does his lateral right. quickness is great he's got a good arm uh and his his range i mean if you know you look it up sometime on our on our Twitter account you can find all sorts of you know video of him making plays in the outfield and you know running all the way to the third baseline and uh you know making great throws across the diamond to get guys i mean it's i i think he does have the skill set i think this is literally just something that is going to they're going to be growing pains and i think that when you draft a kid out of high school you know that you should expect that there are going to be these growing pains you know unless Absolutely. unless you are drafting a guy that is like a wizard with the glove but then most of the time when you draft that guy you know that there are deficiencies with the bat but the thing is with Colson right. Montgomery the deficiencies with the bat i think will work themselves out you know with just a a little bit of time, age and experience, right? Exactly. I think the shortstop thing's the same thing, you know, because I don't think it's the physical tools that aren't there for him to be able to do it. So I just, it was just something that crossed my mind, and I don't think that anything's real. I, I personally, I think he's sticking at, sec- at shortstop. I do too. But you know, they could move him somewhere else. Uh, I just happened to find it very interesting as he is the. 17th ranked prospect in baseball and he's a shortstop but then here we are talking about uh going heavy on defense and signing guys like you know Paul DeYoung and trading for Nicky Lopez and Braden Shoemake who are glove first guys and there's no doubt about that you know yes immediately this year you know the defense will be better but after that, you know, who knows who's going to be in or who's not going to be here. But, I mean, it's just a, you know, you sit here and preach about defense first. All these guys are like one-year deals, and they can walk next year. 
So, like, you can sit here and talk about defense first all you want, but the second that Colson Montgomery's ready and shows with the bat that he can come up here and, you know, say he's going to hit 30 home runs, and you can get 30 home runs out of the shortstop position, you're telling me that you're going to keep Paul DeYoung at, you know, you're going to re-sign Paul DeYoung for another year so and move Colson Montgomery. Because he's to, got a glove. Yeah, <laughs> because he's going to make a couple extra errors. I mean, I'm just saying, you know? Yeah, no. No, chances are, I, and, you know, I'm with you. I, I, you know, I just had to throw it out there because obviously that I, I felt like that was where this was going. Is the question is what happens if he does not improve? What then? Well, I mean, what he then? has, and I, he has, and he so he has. So there's no there, there's reason to believe that that will continue, right? You know, and I would hope. Age, yes, he was slightly older than. The average graduating was senior. okay, whatever. Uh, he wasn't a college graduate, you know. It's not like you're getting a 24 year old right. or 23 year old, right? You know, he was still extremely young and he still got plenty of room to grow. So, you know, though, I we obviously we all hope that he turns out to be, you know, at least average defender, right? You know, if you can go out there and if you can get me zero DRS and hit 30 dingers. I will be more than happy to have you on a major league roster all day, every day, right? You give me a, a, a WRC plus or an OPS plus of 115, 120 season in and season out or, or better even with his skill set with the bat. You know, there, I mean, sky's the limit, but, uh, you know, you just hope that he can be at least an average defender. Yep. And maybe that'll come to fruition. Maybe it won't. I don't know. If it doesn't, maybe you find him another position on the field. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I just don't think that it's uh, time for that yet, personally. He's a big boy, and yes. he's got a great arm. Right field is still a, 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 a place of need for this White Sox team. You know what I'm saying? Yes, <laughs> you know, <unfortunately>. So. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> Let's just move on. So next week, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, we will be looking at the winter meetings. And, uh, you know, hopefully some interesting stuff comes from the winter meetings for the White Sox. Hopefully it's, you know, somewhat eventful. Uh, you know, I can't say that I would necessarily be cheering if the White Sox uh, go out there and trade away Eloy and Dylan Cease. I can't, say, I, I can't say that I'd be happy that those two guys are gone. However, you know, like, I, I get it. I'd understand, you know. Um I don't know. We'll see. No, um, they provided us with uh, with some excitement over the last couple of years. It would be, you know, would be a tough pill to swallow. But yep. at the end of the day, uh, something's got to change. So I, I wouldn't be, ex- you know, extremely upset about any of it. Yep. But that remains, I guess that also hinges on the return and, you know, how I feel about any of that. Yep. But who am I? I'm just, I'm just some dude sitting behind a computer with a in his face. Yep. Yep, we're just uh, two random bozos <laughs> sitting behind uh, cameras. Um, so, uh, yeah, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully it uh, gives us at least something interesting to talk about, and I'm sure it will. I'm sure there will at least be something interesting to talk about, even if it's talking about how the other teams in the division are getting uh, you know, better as we stand pat and watch. Oh, that's the – see, you just, you just gave me that argument. Because I know it's going to happen, but 
you know, didn't want to really think about it much. Well, you know, like as I, you know, as I brought up earlier, the Tigers <laughs> signed uh, Maeda. Um, Kento. I, I will say that the Twins have uh, their pitching's gotten a little bit worse, uh, losing Sonny Gray and Kenta Maeda. And uh, yeah, you know what though? Can't take Kenta Maeda guy go somewhere else in the division because that guy he could suck on whatever team he's on and come in and kill the White Sox over and over and over again. I mean, they've put in their damage on him as well. From, uh, they have. from what I remember, but I mean, I'm not I'm not sad. I just know that it's an upgrade for the Tigers. Yeah. That's all. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and it is a downgrade for the, you know, the Twins pitching has taken a taken a hit so far this offseason. So, which, hey, all good. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll see next week. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully there's some uh, big-time interest stories, and we'll see what happens. Uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, you can find us there. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, also at whitesoxdaily.substack.com. Uh, you can find uh, the stream here on our YouTube page. Uh, you can also find it on our Facebook page. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have something fun to talk about next week. Um, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for chatting. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, you guys have a great night. And uh, we will hopefully catch you guys next week uh, with something uh, something good to talk about. All right? You guys have a great night. Thanks. Good night.